Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. You have probably noticed that few people are willing to talk about an experience that touches all of our lives. That experience is death. Perhaps it's because our culture is so obsessed with youth that it's considered socially improper by many to bring up the subject of death. The truth is that unless the Lord Jesus returns soon, we'll all experience death. How does that make you feel even to think about it? In Daniel chapter 6, the prophet's enemies try to get him killed, yet God comes to the rescue to show us his power over death. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Delivered from Death. Well, today we come to one of the most important subjects in the Bible, really, in a message that I've entitled, Delivered from Death. We live in a culture that is obsessed with youth, don't we? And before you know it, it's gone. And yet, when you're obsessed with youth, people are often refused to talk about or even acknowledge death. And it is into this culture, we as followers of Jesus, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here. If you're watching online, you're not. We're glad you're watching. Please join us. Uh, come here on a Sunday if you can't. You know, contact us. We want to know who you are. We want to help you with some questions. We'll talk about questions in a little bit. And though we're called into this culture, we're also called uh, to be faithful to be true to our God in this culture. And that may involve suffering. That may involve great difficulty. That may involve being involved in a battle for the souls of people. And that battle, it's interesting, most of us fight it, and we fight it, and we win, or seems like we lose, but you never really know for sure. But we win by living. Others... Well, other people win by dying. And there's testimonies, of course, the Lord Jesus, but there's other testimonies of people dying for their faith that have made a great difference in the lives of other people. And, you know, I was thinking about that this week and got a little sad about some of the uh, people who used to worship with us here who've gone home to be with the Lord and, and how much I, I miss seeing them and, but thankful for the influence that they had on our lives. And here's the, here's the thing I, I want to tell you. We honor them when we continue to persevere. We honor them when we continue to follow hard after the Lord. Now, I'll hear from people, well, ever since that person's gone, it's been hard for me, but don't you want to honor them? You honor them by following Jesus as they would have you to do. Daniel has been faithful in the midst of a massive culture war yanked out of as a prisoner of war about 70 years ago as a teenager. Now he's probably in his 80s, getting close to 90. From the beginning, God's hand was on him. He was taken down to Babylon. He was a prisoner of war. He was a slave. Then he becomes one of the king's advisors, all the way up to the point in time where we were last week, where it looks like he's being nominated for or appointed to be prime minister of the Mede and Persian government. But he had enemies, and you may too. A lot of times people end up with enemies in their lives. They don't mean it to be that way, but, but it happens. This is really going to happen to a lot of you as a Christian in, in the workforce. It's going to happen to you as a Christian in your school. It may happen to you if you're a boss. 
may happen to you if you're a ministry leader. And you know, sometimes people ask me questions. Somebody asked me a similar question about it this week. And you know, I said to them, you're going to have to get used to something, that when you're the boss, people are going to talk a lot more about you than they are going to talk to you. And that's just the way it's going to be if you want to be a standout for Christ where you work, as, as Daniel was a standout for Yahweh, living in Old Testament times. But he, but he was faithful. And so instead of talking to Daniel, these guys talked about Daniel, and they devised a plan to get rid of Daniel to actually kill him. And if you were with us last week, or if you weren't, what happened was they tricked the new king to write a law that they could only pray to the king or be thrown to the lions. And in the Medo-Persian empire, once the law was made, it could not be changed. So all Daniel had to do was for one month, just not pray to God. Or if he goes the other way, he ends up in the lion's den. So we left off last week. Where was Daniel? In the lion's den, (laughs) because Daniel was not going to do that. Let's go back to verse 16. It says, so the king, King Darius, gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel, saying, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And then it went on to say that the king was distraught. Uh, He couldn't sleep. And he felt terrible that he had made this law, tried to get his guys to figure out a way to get around it, but he couldn't. And so he thought, you know, Daniel would, would, was done, but was hoping that his God would deliver him. So today I just want to divide our text up into three sections, and I'm just going to use one word to describe each section. And they are the words salvation, judgment, and proclamation. Don't worry if you're taking notes We'll repeat them again. So number one, salvation, salvation. Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning, some of your versions say at the light of dawn, and went in haste, or or he hurried, to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice. Some versions say he cried out in anguish because he really liked Daniel. You know, he wanted him to be his right-hand man. He cried out in lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, King Darius calls Daniel by his Hebrew name, and Daniel means God is my judge. So how, how do you think God is going to judge Daniel? I mean, it's always good to think of such things and then, and then really bring it home. How do you think that God will judge your life? How do I think that God will, will judge my life? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, again, if you're not, we're glad that you're always glad that you're with us. But if you're a follower of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. But, but what did we do with the great salvation that God has given to us We said last week that if a person was thrown into the lion's den and lived, now let's take it, let's understand that they didn't feed the lions and then throw you in. (laughs) They they knew that was going to happen, so they'd starve you, so you'd be very, uh, so they'd be hungry. If you lived, you'd be considered innocent. They referred to that as trial by ordeal, 
We often say, sometimes we say a trial by fire. Any of you feel like you're in a trial by fire? Some, some of you, you feel like your whole life is, a, is one fire after another. But, but how, you wonder, you know, you're, king, you're the king, you're like, how could it be possible? And so he hurries to the tomb. There's some part of him that thinks it may work, it may not. There's, so he hurries to the tomb or to where Daniel is, really. It's like a tomb being in a lion's den. Reminds me of... Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary, who's she? There's, you know, in the New Testament, almost everybody's named Mary. So it's my mother's name. She's like, you know, hang out at one of my family gatherings. And you're like, Mary, and like nine women turn around. <laughs> and, and so they rush to the tomb of Jesus. And so uh, King Darius, he, he just rushes right over to the lion's den, which is, if you will, Daniel's tomb. It seems like to me, this is one of those moments. You ever have those moments where, where seconds just seem like hours? Like you can't get there quick enough. It just seems to be taking forever. You know, and, and you know, it's ever, you ever in a hurry? Those of you who are married, you know what this is like. And, and, and the other person's in maybe in a little bit more of a hurry than you. And they're like, why did you stop at a yellow light? You never stop at a yellow light. <laughs> you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, you're trying to get there and you yell, Daniel, are you alive? And, and the answer just, it just, it, no matter how, even if it takes three seconds, it just seems like forever that it's taking for him to, to answer. And let, let's be honest about something. You know, um, praying to God is one thing, but surviving certain death is something completely different. Now, I know you're like, oh, no, 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 Pastor Jim. We're spiritual people. We, we, we know that stuff is, that happens. God, God does the miraculous. I know that people do that, but yet sometimes you pray with people or we all pray or we pray for something and then we say to somebody, you're not gonna believe what happened. <laughs> and then it's like, well, we prayed for it. God did it. And so sometimes we should be, hey, God answered the prayer, but we're no like, you're not going to believe what God could do. And so you just kind of got to sit there and think, how in the world is this guy going to survive being torn to pieces by hungry lions? I mean, that just, that just seems beyond the realm of, of reality. In verse 20, he calls Daniel servant of the living God, whom you serve continually. I mean, I am just amazed, somewhat intimidated by the fact that this guy has served in the pagan king's court for 70 years, and that's his testimony. That he has, he has done such a good job that they kept him on the payroll, but at the same time, everybody knows that he's a committed follower of Yahweh. Everybody knows he's a committed follower of God. That, that should really serve for all of us for excellence in the workplace. That we want to be the, so good at our job that they would be like, well, he's one of those crazy Jesus people. She's one of those crazy Christ followers. But man, the work, the, the integrity, we can't let them go. We just, we just can't do that. He's just an amazing testimony that he has. You see, Daniel's life was consistent and it was faithful. But in verse 16 and 20, 
the question comes, can Daniel's God save him? So I think it's fair to say that it's not only Daniel who's on trial here. Now God's on trial. Can your God really, really save you? It was like Jesus years later. Jesus would tell people that he was going to die on the cross and he would rise from the dead. As much as the fact Jesus went on trial when they put him on the cross, what he said about himself was on trial. Could, could he actually do what he said that he was going to do? And so King Darius calls Daniel's God the living God. I mean, isn't that the test of the living God? To, to see if he can really deliver someone from death? I mean, that's what Christianity in its, at its core is really about. The Apostle Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you know what we're all doing right now? Completely wasting our time. You're like, oh, no, no, I see my friends. I have some coffee. I have some bagels. Okay, fine. But our faith is in vain. It means nothing if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And so did King Darius believe in the living God or more than likely is the language he's using what he heard Daniel use? That Daniel never hesitated to say things about God. So the king is completely stressed. He can't sleep. He can't eat. He's fasting. He has his guys researching the law to try to get out of the fact that the law can't be changed. Can't sleep. And so he yells out to Daniel. And Daniel's answer sounds like Daniel got a good night's sleep. Daniel sounds completely refreshed. Look at verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, this is the only thing Daniel says in the whole chapter. Oh, king, live forever. <laughs> is that what you would say? You'd be like, I can't believe you threw me in this dump. He says, my God sent his angel. Now, the debate is, is this the angel of the Lord, which would be a, what we call a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus? I think it is, as I did in chapter 3. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, innocent before God, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. In other words, I, I committed no crime before you. So let's look at the comparison. The king is in the palace. He's up all night and he's fasting. The lions, well, apparently they're fasting too because they didn't eat Daniel. It's not like they threw in Daniel and a bunch of steaks. They, they made sure those guys were, were good and hungry. And they're meeting with the Lord's angel, perhaps sitting there with Jesus. We, we might call it, if you want to make a movie, just, you know, you could call it a night at the zoo with Jesus. Just give me some credit for, for the name of the movie. You just could imagine the, the little Hebrew kids saying to their to their Dad, Daddy, read me the story or tell me the story of Daniel in the lion's den when, when God's angel was just hanging out with Daniel and the lions and they were just talking. What were they talking about? Maybe they were just talking about the kingdom of God. 
Let me, let me ask you this. When you read your Bible, if you read your Bible, do you, do you enjoy it? I mean, do you just enjoy sitting there with God, hearing about him, learning about him, learning about his kingdom? And, and perhaps Daniel is just enjoying being safe in the Lord's care. Like the, the angel the Lord shows up, Jesus shows up, and he goes, oh, don't worry about the lions. They're not hungry. They're fasting. They're fine. Don't worry about it. We're not going to let the king eat, but, but he, he's going to be fine. Maybe he's just enjoying that. If you sit and you read your Bible, do you enjoy that protection of the Lord? Here's a quiz I gave to the last service. They didn't do so good on this. We'll see how you do. How many of you slept last night? How many of you slept last night? Some of you aren't so sure if you did or not. Okay. Did you notice that the world survived while you slept? It did. It was fine. You made it here. You know, you could sit and read your Bible or stand and read your Bible or kneel and read your Bible or lay in bed and read your Bible. If you'd like me, you'd fall asleep. And guess what? The world will be fine. The world will be fine. So why don't you just read your Bible, spend time with God, and enjoy the Lord's protection during that time? Try to forget about the rest of the world. I just keep a, a pad, two pads. One's, I think, what God is saying. The other one is all the dumb stuff that I remember. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you forget everything. You ever forget everything? Until you read your Bible. Then all of a sudden, you become like, you know, like a superhero. Like, oh my gosh, what a memory I have. Well, I just put all the stuff down, you know, and uh, that I got, got to remember. In fact, I'm so geeky that I put L5, M5. And so if it takes me less than five minutes, I write in the L5. And more than five minutes, I write in the M5. And so I just get it out of my head. And then I go back to God. I'm like, sorry, just, just keep talking to me. And so I love also with Daniel, again, there's no complaining. He's only giving glory to God, who was proven to be the living God, who saves and delivers his people from death. And that is the great hope and the great promise that followers of Jesus have. Verse 23 says, now the king was exceedingly glad for him. He liked Daniel. One version says the king was overjoyed and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Now, this is very important. It says, and no injury. Some versions say no wound or, or another version says he was uninjured. So no injury was found on him because he believed in his God. Some of your versions say he trusted in his God. So here he is. He's told, hey, if you pray to your God, you go in the lion's den. He goes, okay, goes home for lunch, and what's he doing? Facing Jerusalem and praying. And they take him to the lion's den. We have no, we have no you know, nothing of him objecting, worry about that. He's like, okay, okay. For, for 70 years, this guy, plus 70 plus years, this guy has worked in a hostile work environment, been in exile in a foreign land. And so now they tell him, and he's seen plenty of people get killed. Now they tell him, if you pray to anybody but the king, we're going to throw you in a lion's den. He knows they mean business. And what does he do? 
knowing full well this is where he's going to end up, he prays. This is what I would call radical trust. Every week we talk about trusting Jesus. This is radical trust. Dare I say this is epic trust. This is the kind of trust I I can only think like, I, could I really do that? I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. This is, and it was written before Daniel. This is David saying this, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You see, the truth of the matter is, is that God doesn't always protect his people like this. We know that. Plenty of people have died for their faith. We talked about that a few weeks ago in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews. But he's always with us. And he can always save us and save, save his people from eternal death. King Darius in this situation somewhat reminds me of the Apostle Thomas with Jesus. So we're fast forwarding now into New Testament times, some maybe 550, 575 years later. And... Um, It's almost like you get the impression, I get the impression from verse 23 here that he's like, bring him closer to me. Like, I got to check this out. He told me, he goes, oh, I'm fine. He's yelling up, I'm fine. No harm came to me, no problem. And they yank him out and and he's almost says to the guys who pull him out, bring him here. I want to see if there's no scratches on him. I want to go see if they didn't take a nick out of him or something like that. And there's, there's no mark on him. He wants to examine Daniel just like Thomas did and, and thinking to himself, how could he possibly be alive? Now, I'm sure he's glad, but sometimes when things happen, do you ever have something happen that you're glad it happened, but you just can't get your arms around it? You're just like... I can't, I can't, I can't really get this. And, and Daniel, instead of being like, well, I told you so, is like Jesus. He's like, you want to check it out? You can check it out. After Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, we read this in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Now, if some of you might be pregnant or having another child or something like that, and you're trying to decide between Thomas and Didymus, let me give you some advice. <laughs> Choose Thomas. Um, <laughs> that's why we, we don't call him Doubting Didymus. We call him Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is one of the things I love about God becoming a man in the person of Jesus Christ, that we can read about Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I say nothing unless the Father tells me. You can watch Jesus You can read about Jesus and and you understand how very personal Jesus is. Jesus says to him, you can touch me. That's how close I am to you. It's 
why I tell people when they start reading the Bible, they're like, where should I touch? Where should I start? Usually they start at the beginning. And they're like, um, excuse me, Pastor Jim, do you know what's in the book of Genesis? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, every dysfunction known to man. <laughs> I always tell people, why don't you start in the Gospels? Now, I know most people start, start, say start in John. John, to me, is, was, I've taught all four Gospels, verse by verse, Mark a couple times, actually three. John is the most difficult for me because it has multiple meaning words. And I have one of those brains that just goes like, with multiple meaning words. So I just say to people, why don't you do Mark? It's the simplest. It's the easiest. It's the one that you'll touch Jesus. But read them all. So, so Jesus is like, you know what? Okay, I'm okay with that. So then it says, verse 26, a week later. So what does Jesus do? He makes Thomas wait. He makes them all wait. They're like, he was here, where'd he go? They're like, well, what? This is no different than when he was alive. We could never find him. We're always looking for him. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.